My name is Alex. My name is Megan. And we have some exciting news today. Wait. Okay, I accomplished this. I should be the one to announce it. Oh, okay. Is it exciting news? Maybe we can just categorize it as news. No, this is huge. I can now say I've read all the Animorphs. I know all the secrets. I'm ready to fight the Yerks. Well, I mean, yes? But, like, you've only read it once now. How many secrets can you know? Just once. I can't win with you guys. Fine, fine, okay. I guess we can let him tell the world his news. Yes, okay. My name is Tim, and I have read all of Animorphs. I should find fanfare music at the end. Listening to Minds at Yerk. My name is Alex. My name is Megan. My name is Tim. Holy shit, we all three did it! First time ever! <laughs> I was making fun of you. I didn't realize that's what we were supposed to be doing the whole time. I mean, I don't know that it was what we were supposed to be doing. I think the secret is. There was never a what are we supposed to be doing for how we start these episodes. I know if you're listening at home, that was probably uh, imperceivable. Shit. (laughs) We're so professional. We are the most professional. Uh, How is everybody on this fine, fine, fine January 20th? (laughs) Nice. Excellent. Fantastic. I've only cried about 20 times today. It's all good. I mean, let me talk about my media consumption this week. The last you texted three ep- me yesterday, my god. The last three episodes of Shit's Creek, a couple <sighs> of choice episodes of The West Wing, the last Animorphs book, and then the inauguration. I, am, I feel like there was something else in there, too. Probably. Probably the way this week has gone. All I know is I have teared up and cried so much at so many different things that I am having to drink Powerade to rehydrate. Oh, bless. My Pathfinder character died a day after I read this book. (laughs) That was the other thing I got this week. First (laughs) Rachel, then Germ. This one sucks. It's like, what? So, uh, Tim. Yeah. Do do you want to give your immediate gut reactions first, or do you want to roll that beautiful, beautiful synopsis? Let's, Let's do the... Let's do the synopsis first. Okay. My, my book report. Book 54. The beginning. Rachel D. morphs on the blade ship. And then morphs Grizzly Bear. The Yerks morph, including Tom. He morphs a cobra and bit Rachel. Rachel responds by biting him and killing him. Rachel D. morphs and is killed by a polar bear. Ugh. Jake force. Should we have called spoilers? It's really? the last book really? of the series. <laughs> <laughs> Jake Jake forces Visser 1 out of Aloran 
And then they contact the Andalite military and Homeworld. They give up the pool ship to the Andalites. The Andalites don't want to keep Jake's promise to share the morphing technology. But Axe issues a challenge and is given them four morphing cubes. And he is a war prince now. Fuck yeah! Rachel is brought back to Earth and Tobias takes her ashes. One year later, Marco is a celebrity and Cassie is responsible for the free Hork-Bajir. Visser 1 is going to be tried for war crimes. Jake has a hard time testifying, and Visser 1 is convicted. Two years later, Axe is captured by the blade ship and another ship. Jake has to get the band back together, not including Cassie, with a couple of new members. They have to fly to Kelbrid space and get him back. They find the blade ship, and Axe has been taken by an alien entity. And Jake readies himself to attack. So we made a lot of predictions that were shockingly accurate, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah. There were a few things that were off. I thought Tom, I think I thought Tom was going to live. Mm -hmm. He did not. I thought Aloran was going to get it. He did not. (laughs) So, but I think on the whole, my predictions were actually pretty good this time. Perk Bajir Forestry Service, I got. Yeah. And I want to say like, I guess everyone just has to take me at my word, but I did not remember most of the specifics of this book any more than normal. I mean, I got the receipts for that. Like, just Alex reading this book being like, shit. (laughs) I guess I remember more of this than I thought. Or it just wormed itself into my brain somewhere, which is, I guess, a poor choice of words for this series. (laughs) Maybe a little bit. Or accurate. I don't know. Could just be thematically appropriate. So what do you think? So you had tasked me with recording my reactions yes which i wanted your immediate gut reactions which to be fair i did get a text message (laughs) i have a couple of clips to play then i have the well you know what i'll just play them okay this is tim Lowe at 10 15 p.m on january the 16th i have not started book number 54 and this is me Officially promising to not hate Meg Griffin when I am done reading Animorphs. There is nothing that could happen in the books that could make me hate Meg Griffin. Don't know why you recorded that. Okay. Do I need to bleep out Meg's name? Last <laughs> yeah, name? Maybe. maybe. Or, are we... or are we at the point where, like, the war is over? We're at the point. The war is over. You can leave my right. last name in. Right. Don't know why those were recorded. Okay. Now, let me play my initial reaction once i finished the book are you kidding right now are you joking everything that i said was a lie about not not being able to hate (laughs) i was so mad at that ending when i first got done (laughs) the text message i got I had calmed down for three or four seconds by the time I got to the text message. That was my immediate reaction. The text message I got at Sunday at 6.30 p.m. Why would you do this to me? And my response is, what did I do? Oh, God. So I guess my opening question, which is going to be pretty Tim specific, is do you regret having done this podcast and read all these books to do this podcast if you had asked now. me in that moment when i read the last line of the book the answer would have been <laughs> yes right now no because i loved the story so much Tim or meg just in the interest of uh <laughs> the amount of torture we visited upon you do you regret it 
Oh. No. I do okay. not. I do not. I, Alex. Uh, I Alex. imagine when I edit this, that pause will sound shorter than it was. <laughs> but Meg did take mm, a good, like, three count to think before she <laughs> seconds or 20 minutes. Alex. Yes. Alex, do you regret coming on this adventure with us? <laughs> of course not. Now, how do you feel about this book? I did, am... Wait, did you remember? You did not remember the cliffhanger ending. So here are the things I remembered. I remembered, and in fact, I want to start here uh, when we when we actually get into the book. But I remembered the Rachel and Tom confrontation. Okay. Uh, that's the only thing I clearly remembered. I had okay. a vague I had a vague recollection of an open ending, Fair. but I could not remember if that open ending was the war is still being fought in some way or something else. Okay. Now, as I read this, there was a lot of, oh, is this what happens next? As, like, I kind of hit the groove. But at page one, that's all that was in my brain. Cool. So I have spent most of this podcast, not like this episode, but this series, thinking to myself, well, there's no way the last confrontation is between Rachel and Tom. That makes no narrative sense. It's got to be Jake and Tom. But I had this clear memory of the two of them fighting to their deaths. And then we got to the end of the last book, and I'm like, right. Fuck. <laughs> it is between them. I did remember this clearly all along. I was not insane for that reason. I'm glad. I'm glad you're not insane for that reason. <laughs> so, uh. I want to talk about this book in chunks. That's fair. That's, that's smart. Let's start with Rachel versus Tom. Okay. So chapters um, one through five. Four. Four. Yes. Tim. <laughs> How did you expect this to go down as you were reading it? Like, did you think Rachel would get out um, of this? I kind of did. Uh, I had mentioned that. <laughs> that last yeah, shot. Yeah. That's all he wanted. Um, I, for whatever reason, after the last book, I had it in my head. For no particular reason that it was just Rachel and Tom on the blade sh on the blade ship, and so going in, I really thought she was going to get out. And then once I realized <laughs> there was other people around, I'm like, oh, now it's going to be like even crazier how she gets out of this one. Where in the <laughs> list of their morphs did you start to have doubts? Um, probably. I'll, I'll be honest. Once she demorphed, I was like, this isn't gonna. Like it was right up until the end. I was like, this is this is gonna happen, isn't it? And then it did. Freaking yeah, polar bear. If I ever find that polar bear. <laughs> I know. It's in space they, somewhere. They found it's that part translucent hair. Um, what about hurt any less. No. It never hurts less. What about Rachel biting Tom's head oh, off of his literal I like, body? I, it was so like, I was like, whoa. The, uh, the idea of the grizzly bear biting the snake after the snake bit the grizzly bear and i was like oh it's just so graphic and amazing and i i don't know i loved it i loved it it makes it makes sense too though because at first i'm like wow this is a lot and i'm like well i guess if you are going to keep him yeah. from morphing back yeah, and healing, true. yeah like, you yeah. gotta you gotta finish yeah. that job you I cut off one head yeah. no more grow back I definitely always have the vision. Like, I never remember that Rachel bites off Tom's head. Like, that is not... I always remember it as her popping off his head as a grizzly bear. And then the polar bear being like, no, fuck you. And popping off her head. 
Which is, I don't know if that's actually what happens. We don't actually get told how Rachel gets killed other than, like, no. yeah. it's a fucking polar bear. I do like her move where she starts just, like, jazz hand stabbing. <laughs> uh, it's it's a lot. But there's a lot of other things going on during this, too. Like, I really, really like this opening of the people on the Blade ship seeing all these yurks get dumped into space. And being like, what? What is the visitor doing? Yeah. Like, what is the benefit of this? What the yeah. fuck is going on? Yeah. He just killed seventeen thousand of our people, and then the contrast with Jake and Tobias showing up on the screen and her asking Tobias for help, which breaks my heart every single time. We also get a little "I love you, I know." We do. We get that very wonderful. I hate it so much. <laughs> it's so good. It's so awful. And then we, at the end of chapter four, find ourselves back at the beginning of the Elemist Chronicle, or the end of the Elemist Chronicles. Which I now understand why that passage was so important to y'all that I just, like, brushed off and blew off. Because reading it in this book, (laughs) it carried a great weight. Because we weren't animorph death deniers? It'll be fine. <laughs> Elemist bullshit. It'll get better. You know what's funny, though? Um, I want to talk about fanfic at some point during all this and how much Elemist bullshit plays into that. Okay. Do we want to do that now? I mean, about Rachel's death, like, all the ones that I came across, especially, like, the ones that I started, but also the ones that are super popular, um, from what I understand, I haven't actually read um, any of it. But Elema steps in and is like, no, man, I changed my mind. Can live. Go ahead. Those, those, I fucked up. I'm so and, sorry. And in that moment, the Elemist plucks from space and time the auxiliary Animorph who morphed into Rachel and has her take Rachel's place. <gasps> no, stop. And puts awful. Rachel back on Earth in the hork Valley. That's awful. And everyone is happy. That's no, the only Cassie way the Elemist could so do it. upset. Don't. Just don't tell him that. Sure, but okay. don't tell him. There's one person who's not upset, and I kind of love that. Uh, like, I can't wait to read this <laughs> fan fiction that brings Rachel back. <laughs> um, as we move into Jake's chapter, there was a, a line of Jake's that sounded a lot like Tim. Shock of shock. <laughs> where basically, Jake's like, yeah. I hope Tobias doesn't say anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is what now, he said. Now, that... <laughs> we're, we're, we're transitioning into the, the sort of aftermath segment, the immediate aftermath segment. Yeah. I would like to point out the first Tobias chapter, which is, I believe, the next time we hear him say anything, is chapter mm-hmm. 18 out of 21. Jesus. So, Tim, was that a long enough cool turns out no. for you? It turns out no. Uh, Tobias hit pretty hard later in that book. There's a line in Jake's, like, he immediately starts to feel guilty and be like, oh, I <laughs> fucked up. I, I immediately am second-guessing every decision I have made starting backwards. And there's this discussion of, like, his whole point of doing this war, of being in this war, was to fucking save his brother. And all I could think of was, like, man... The YA books that I've read since that, like, everybody's like, oh, I can't believe they killed off this character. And I'm like, this is why I always go, hey, it happens. It's just to be expected. Yeah. Death does not discriminate between the <laughs> sinners and the saints. It takes and it takes and it takes. Nice job. Thanks. 
So Jake is doubting himself. Uh, at the same time, we have begun the process of dealing with the remaining Yerks, uh, which Toby has rounded up. Oh, Toby. Uh, they are ready to surrender under the condition that they get morphing technology. Uh, which Jake is going to have to negotiate from the Andalites because Tom just got away with the cube. Also be remiss not to mention the fact that her father... I was about to say. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Her father oh, dies. Me. The first free port bajir Yeah, that one, that one made me really sad too. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Jake tasks the rest of his team with other tasks while he goes with Toby. Cassie is to deal with Eric. Marco and Axe are to lock Visser 1 in a briefcase that had previously been full of cookies. Because as it turns out, Yerks also have a sweet <laughs> tooth when they morph. Uh, and then to hail the nearest Andalite ship as well as secretly the Andalite homeworld. Yeah. Uh, then Jake goes to deal with all that stuff. I also like that Marco immediately starts with, which becomes like a really running theme of the next, like the post-war stuff. Of this is our victory. This is our planet. We did this. Fuck all you Andalites. You were gonna blow us out of the sky. Gotta keep in mind that we did this. Don't give an inch. Well, and we'll, we'll get. Kind of to where that really plays out. But the one thing I had not thought of here, I think it's Marco says, no, we have to win yeah. this negotiation or they will forever walk yes. all over us. We'll f forever be second class citizens on our own planet. Yeah. Um. So we see Cassie deal with Eric. This is a pretty short Yeah, but sequence. it was, it was big. It, yeah. And the surprising bit to me here is Cassie basically telling yeah. Eric to fuck off. Yeah, I appreciated that. I still though, it was one of those moments where I'm reading it and I'm like, I remember a simpler time when there was right and wrong and it was obvious. You and Pepperidge yeah. Farm both. I was like, man, this is this is tough. Like, mm. but it makes it it because like Eric was like, you guys are trash, and it, yeah, they are. And Cassie's like, well, you suck because Rachel died and it's your fault, and it's like. Yeah. Well, and yeah. Cassie's kind of the perfect person to have repudiate yeah. Eric, though, because she can basically realistically say, no, nah, dude, you're, you're trying to stop the literal number of deaths yeah. actually made the situation and the Higher. casualties right. so much worse. Yeah. Like, your de-escalation, in fact, escalated. Yeah. And now you have to live with that until you die, which, from what I understand, yeah. is probably never. So, like... Yeah, your nonviolence. I guess in a way, this is kind of um, a look for kids, which is going to go over their heads, but maybe they absorb it in some way. Um, being passive is not always the best answer, or being yeah. nonviolent. That I don't like that wording, but taking it on the chin. Yeah. Um, I also really appreciate that Axe kind of feels like he's making up for how much he's kind of fucked up over the years. Um, which again, go back to our last Axe book for lots of yelling on how like that didn't have to be going on this whole time, but immediately is like, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm not going to exactly say that, but I'm going to put that in the code. Like I'm following you, my prince, because I can't make this decision, but you, my prince are ordering me. Is that what you're saying? A prince can decide that. 
yes prince <laughs> before before we totally move away from eric i want to i want to mention his last line to cassie which is about how jake will need him the one like redeeming mm-hmm. eric moment in this is i think a really subtle callback to in the one scene of violence that he was permitted in his life he learned the weight of carrying this carnage Mm-hmm. And now Jake, having ah. killed 17,000 Yerks, he knows is going to struggle with that going forward. And knowing that, and especially given last book, that like Jake was really hopeful for like a normal future with Cassie and, and all these other things. And like is accepting that Cassie still probably knows him best and is saying the thing that he needs to hear while also being afraid that she's going to say the thing that is most sympathetic and causes him to break down. But it is also not, there's no sense of like release or relief that um, like this guilt is already so consuming that it's not like we did it. Cool. Hi, I want to snuggle with my girlfriend. I'm like really glad it didn't go that route. Jake never gets a moment of celebration with everyone else. He's all all immediately like mourning everything. Yes, he is completely mourning everything. And I think that's also addressed, I think it's Marco, very well. Yeah. Of like, fuck, this should feel like a victory. Someone should be singing God Bless America. (laughs) What a a weird, weird moment, Marco. (laughs) (laughs) Then he goes on to talk about how much Bill O'Reilly loves him. I'm like, oh, Marco, I said some things about you early in this series. (laughs) And I was right. (laughs) Oh. Your buddies with Bill O'Reilly and Greta Van Susteren. Okay, I see you, Marco. Oh. Um, but I do like I do like Axe's moment that you you mentioned. The sort of and he gets a couple in here. He gets this moment of okay, let me argue this loophole so I can do this thing, which is right. This thing being patching in yeah. civilian communication. We see him uh, pretty soon after, like challenge. Uh, Captain Prince uh, Asculin. I love this moment. It's a great moment. so many reasons. And one of them being that it addresses that the humans find them so rigid and structured and that this is fucking ridiculous. Like, this is ridiculous. That it takes another Andalite to be like, no, man, this is stupid. What the fuck? Yeah. And they're like, okay. But also kind of like... not embracing but being like well i hope their rigid rules comes in our favor i don't know it's a lot let's let's go ahead and get into it so once they've hailed the andalites uh and marco has basically negotiated terms that to marco and aloran i guess have negotiated terms that this is clearly a surrender come on board we're not yurks we promise Mm -hmm. uh jake says okay look we need a morphing cube because I have promised all these Yerks and Taxons that they can stop being Yerks and Taxons. And Axe invokes trial by combat, essentially, or a challenge. It's not actually combat. He invokes a challenge on uh, War Prince Asculin saying no. That basically means Asculin has to go talk to the council. And if it's politically safe, then he'll stand his ground. Otherwise, he'll be like, Okay, fine, you win. Right. And if Axe loses, Axe's tailblade gets cut off. He gets ostracized. I mean, I can't imagine losing part of me, but the at least, like, 
he'd have to be in isolation. I was like, he can stay on Earth. That's fine. That's yeah. not a big deal. The losing the tail blade. Like, this clearly is a scary thing with how it takes Axe a few minutes to find composure after making this challenge. Like, he is, like, visibly shaking. Well, it's it's the thing. I mean, as much as we kind of rag on him in his later books for this, this is kind of his biggest fear is losing an important part of his body and no longer being a whole and a light. And the fact that that is a problematic viewpoint, notwithstanding by human standards, mm-hmm. he is putting his biggest fear on the line and risking himself to support his prince. And in turn, uh, to make the spin doctors proud, that means our cast ultimately ends up with two princes. Because Axe is elevated to prince I've, as well. I've tried this. Yeah. Over the past couple of days, it has not worked out for me. Where people have s- said things tried that I what? didn't like and I've just said challenge. And it, oh. they just kind of stare at me. <laughs> yeah. I think it's kind of oh. great that you've not done this to either <laughs> Alex or I. So that we were both yeah. like, what have you tried? <laughs> also, I think I demoted Asculin. Asculin is a captain prince, not a war yes. prince. Or a prince yes. captain. Not a um, war prince. It's also Alloran. worth... Alloran. is a war prince, It's yes. a war prince. Uh, it's also worth noting that Asculin's uh, ship is Elfangor. Yeah. Which is essentially, like, the highest honor they could give a fallen Andalite. Um, which seems a little bizarre, but also made me cry. Because, like, Axe is so proud. <laughs> yes, it was really sweet. And I also loved the, no one on a ship named after my brother would be very excited about uh, actually beating me in a challenge. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, speaking of War Prince Aloran, <sighs> Bud gets to finally earn some redemption yeah. here, huh? I, I very much enjoyed reading Aloran in this book. <laughs> um, things he does. Helps get the Andalites to not blow up the pool ship. <laughs> helps Axe negotiate the challenge by backing it using his status as a War Prince. Basically says to Jake, yeah, I never thought I'd be free, so, uh, you're my yeah. prince too, bro. Yeah. And there's one more thing that he did. And then, he, yes. He moved his Go tail. Ahead. His tail. Yes, I cried I loved so that hard. Part so much. He whipped it. Yes. He whipped it He's good. He's like, do you know who did that? <laughs> I did. I did that. And I just, sitting there eating popcorn, just crying <laughs> into the popcorn. It was, it was fine. But I love Why that, is like, my popcorn so salty and the, damp? <laughs> Like, they give him bullshit. This man who, yes, maybe it is a disgrace the fact that he became the first and only Andalite to be controlled. And, like, fuck that. Like, whatever. Andalites are so proud. But Also eradicating the Yeah, that was pretty rough. That's what I was getting to. It's the fact that they're still like, fuck you. You did this to Hork-Bajir probably five decades ago. Like, by human standards, it's been a long time. And the fact that he's, like... Yeah. Did you not do the same thing to Earth? Yeah. Yeah. Were you not? And he's like, well, that was not my decision. And he's like, fuck you. You're no, going to do it is too. my favorite yeah. like, light now. Yeah. Just, just that moment when he says I also that just too. love. He says, you were about to do the same thing. I was like, my dude. There are a lot of like little subtle things that there's just no meal made out of in this book. Like Eric's last line. 
But Almiron just immediately backing up the Animorphs, I think, is another yes. one of those things. Because he has had yeah. the closest seat to how hard yep. they have fought and how much good they have done. Yes. Like, he knows that they these, you know, six kids are the most dangerous and bravest people in the universe. Because they did something that Andalites have been trying to do for yep. decades. Yep. Six kids. Uh, they also negotiate for Earth to get to keep and try Visser one. Yes. Not for him to be turned over to the Andalites. I loved uh, that as well, yeah. Then we move on to, and we kind of talked about some Marco and Jake chapters at the same time. Um, <laughs> Before we get there, there's a couple other things that happened in this that like I really love. Yeah. Um, Marco calls them the Earth yeah. Liberation Army. <laughs> which I just thought was adorable. Like, Marco, the the old Marco is back in this, which makes sense because Applegate and Grant were writing this. Um, but is the closest person to giddy about all of this being done. Yeah. And reading through his stuff, like translating the conversation between Jake and this Captain Prince. And Such a good moment. It's It's all so great. And then the way he points out to um, the warring Andalites, like, hey, we've also clued in your home world what up yeah (laughs) to the point that both axe and alaron are like is he mental like what is going on here um so yeah it just like it it was a moment of seeing uh, marco's ruthlessness and that side that just won't shut up combined in a great way well, if if you if you can't shut up and need to be ruthless and you're doing it in a more or less civilian capacity now you're in PR, and that's what Marco is in these negotiations. He's he's doing PR work essentially. Yeah. Um, I also like how uh, we had in the last book the the line from Jake: "They're not going to make me president of the United States." Cast. Yes, yes. And, which and at one point of this, Marco answers uh, Askel asking, "Who is Jake?" With, "Oh, he's the pre- he's the president of Earth." <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love it so much. Like short lived that promotion, but. <laughs> Clearly, Jake was wrong. Uh, Cassie narrates the homecoming, which yes. starts with a contingency landing on the National Mall. They thought to call ahead, at least, which was smart. Fucking love it. Like, where else uh, are you going to land? Where else? Uh, I am hopeful that Will Smith was there to welcome them to Earth. <laughs> yes. Um, and they get, I mean, they are greeted as returning heroes. They get all sorts of pomp and circumstance. Um, and we learn basically Rachel's funeral is not only a big national event, but like they're building a monument to her, like on the coast. And, uh, they hold her funeral and Tobias does show up and fly away with the urn. He does like quote-unquote ask permission which i respected like i don't know what would have happened if naomi or cassie had said no um but i don't know it shows it a little bit but also the fact that cassie says uh if he was alive i knew he'd show up and i had to stop for a minute just because it as a, especially as a kid, like it never crossed my mind that Tobias might commit suicide, even though in his first book that is like exactly yeah. what he did. But yeah, I was <laughs> I was struck by the same thing. Yeah, it's it is a moment for sure. Um, but we also find out that General Doubleday um, is still yep. alive. 
which was, I think, a good thing. You know who we did not hear about? The governor of California? I was going to say Chapman, but... (laughs) Also Chapman. I would assume the governor of California is dead. Yeah, I was hopeful that that was not the case. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, But the good news is the Andalites do consent to morphing cubes uh, for the Texans and the surrendering Yerks. The Texans do get the Brazilian rainforest per Cassie's devious plan to turn it into protected uh, land. And uh, Arbron joins them as this sort of cryptozoological feature watching over them until poachers kill him. Yeah. Yeah, we don't find that out until the one year later point. Oh, is that after the jump? Yeah. Okay. But I think it is the way it it always has pissed me off. But right in the this time, I think it's Marco who's talking about it. There's a moment where he's like, um, I mean, Arbron couldn't morph. He there, he was not lit. He couldn't yeah. regain this power. He still had that hunger, and like he had succeeded in his goal of helping his newfound people become free, and. I think he, like, Marco's like, I think he would have been okay dying. Like, it sucks. It really does. But the fact that they do ha- send him back to the Andalite world and, like, acknowledge him as a dead Andalite, I think is, is I don't know. It made me cry. <laughs> a lot of things in this book made yeah. me cry. But Same. Same. <laughs> you know what, Tim? We can't all be cold stone yeah. people. Well, okay, let's not bring Tim's ice cream parlor preferences into this. Just because you like Brewster's and Tim likes Cold Stone. Oh, I don't like Brewster's. Just because you like TCBY and Tim likes Cold Stone. I do miss TCBY so much. It has been so long since I've had TCBY. Because they are out of business. Uh, As of at least like two years ago, there was one in Cartersville. Uh, Yeah, it's been a lot longer than two years. Oh, hey, we learned where the Animorphs live. It is, in fact, California. Yes. Yes, we get that was a thing I a remember lot too in this. I appreciate it. Yeah. Like we've we've now said it. We're gonna keep saying it. <laughs> Not gonna tell you Cassie's, Marcus, Tobias's, or mm. Rachel. Well, Rachel's, I guess by yeah. by extension is Berenson, but not gonna tell you anyone else's. Yeah. Um. So we have we have taken our one year time jump. We are uh catching up on the status quo with Marco, who is. Famous and working in Hollywood and doing the late night show because he's the only one of them the late night hosts can stand to have a conversation with. Yeah. Because Cassie gets into the morality and Jake is just depressing. Yeah. Which is yeah. to be expected. Yes. Um, Cassie is an undersecretary of the interior responsible for... Pork Bajir relocation at the ripe old age of seventeen. Seventeen. Um, they both she travels. Yeah, she travels and works with Hork Bajir and environmental issues, yeah. and uh, is still taking night classes. You know, still wants to yeah. be a vet, just like her yep. parents. We don't explicitly hear that her parents make it out of this. But there's no reason to think they don't. Yeah, like. We see Naomi, and we know Jake lives with his parents. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the only parents that I ever really cared to make sure got out, because everybody else got to the the the, the valley, um, were Jake's parents. And in my mind, we'd never find out what happens to them. And I do wish we found out more. But we do learn that Jake lives with his parents for a while. 
And um, I guess from that, you can kind of guess that, like, they forgave him or understood or some level. They're not they don't hate him for Tom being dead. Yeah, like, I imagine with their having been controllers, they understand that Tom's actions were not his own. Right. I would have loved to know more about that, but similar to Tim and his family, who we never hear about, we don't hear much about Jake. This comes from the fact that every time Tim's like, I have a brother, and I'm like, oh yeah, older or younger? (laughs) Or the same. Or the same. Identical Tims. Oh, no. He doesn't. Half of these episodes have been recorded by Tim's brother. That's why the guesses are always so weird. (laughs) There's some beard stroking going on. I'm a little concerned. (laughs) Only one of them has a beard. (gasps) Oh, no. If you'll notice, I didn't have the beard when we started these recordings. Yes, listener, (laughs) you may have noticed. We all also have considerably less gray hair. Yeah. Although I don't think that's so much because of this podcast, mostly. Uh, anywho, the the last thing Marco tells us is that they are getting ready to try Visser 1 at The Hague. Uh, then strange, right? Like, is that just me? Like, this whole trial thing, the the five judges, the where it's located, all that, a little strange, right? I mean, it's the International War, war Court, right? I guess, but also I'm just like, I don't know. Were they anywhere else other than America? Like, I understand this was a global issue. Yeah, I think that's where you, I, it's, I don't know. It seems like where you would go to try an alien dictator. Yeah, I mean, I I think the logic to me would be you can't have any one nation's right. government negotiating with other worlds. That's fair, I understand so that. If, if Jake is speaking on behalf of Earth to keep and try Visser One, it has to be Earth sure. that keeps and tries Visser One. Um, Marco also talks about the fact that they have extended tourism to Andalites. Oh, yeah. Um, Andalites love coming and getting donuts, and they want a Krispy Kreme. <laughs> yeah. Um, they also, like... Acquire human morphs, and then it's like the big thing is to go to the mall and go to Cinnabon and Mrs. Fields. And like, I also like that there's a moment of, or just like one line that's like, Andalites, civilian Andalites are pretty chill. They are less, they are more humble like and lovable. Three degrees yeah. <laughs> less uptight. Yes. I think it was the book where. Uh, Axe's love interest showed up where I made the joke about Andalite food tourism. I do remember this. I did not remember that this was an actual thing <laughs> oh, that yeah. happened. Yeah. And I want to chalk that one up to just, no, nah, Applegate and Grant are good at what they do. And that is a logical, obvious extension. I, I really like this whole one year section, uh, even though it is kind of the shortest part because it seems very hopeful. Um, there's discussion about how, you know, people are worried about when humans make contact with aliens, how they're going to be. But it's also like, we've been preparing for this for generations, like our sci-fi, like the way that we're handling that they, a year later that they're still handling it is very positive and optimistic. Yeah. I think, Um, I think Marco says at one point, people grew up on Star Wars and Star Trek and Heinlein and Asimov and... Of course, it's not a question of are there aliens. People are just relieved that there 
nice. Yeah, exactly. And like that the Andalites are like I almost kind of because of food, here's technology. Like the trade off seems so simple, but also I think that that's how they viewed technology too. A lot of their basic stuff. I, I understand that they're very close guarded about morphine and things, but like they view technology as something so primitive almost. So well, ne- they, like a necessity, like like food's a necessity kind of thing. Like, of course we have technology. This is something I want to talk about. And I want to start with they view technology as primitive because that does remind me of way back in Andalite Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The fascination that humans developed the written word on paper before they developed computers and how that was somehow backwards. Agreed. Because the written word on paper is more permanent. But the other thing I wanted to talk about in this is as ingrained in Andalite culture as, oh, fuck, what's his name? Blank's Folly. Seward? Ciro. Ciro. Ciro's kindness. kindness. Ciro's kindness. But yes, Tim, good job. (laughs) Seward's Folly, Alaska. (laughs) Ten points on your AP English test or AP American (sighs) history test. Um, Ciro's kindness like is so ingrained in Andalite society and what I want to know is does this negotiation that leads to the ceasefire with the Yerks in exchange for hey let us just not beat Yerks anymore does that change the entire Andalite view on I don't think technology? so because they were talking about how they were going to share with earth on a limited basis because they didn't want to give them the big stuff all at once but isn't that isn't that more than what up until this moment their view of Ciro's kindness would have implied that that any sharing of technology but I don't think it's food is that cool food is that cool (laughs) food in mouth taste for my small technology (laughs) I don't think that uh Yeah. I I don't think they've completely forgotten about it. Let me put it that way. No, I don't think it's like a complete <laughs> But it's definitely a shift it, from it. But I feel like there has to be a straight line. And yes, food is great and I get that like that's a powerful bargaining chip. Literally, chocolate <laughs> or potato or corn. Um, but I feel like there has to be some connection between the solution to the war being some technology sharing and a loosening of okay maybe maybe lesser technologies or maybe technologies closer to what they would have found on their own soon well it that's okay but for remember us to how share. the war started by sharing the technology so like well yes but that's what i'm saying is like it yeah. also ended it so like does that does that ease the andalite taboo of sharing technology yeah it has sure, to suck. sure it does, yeah. I think this is yeah. evidence that it does. Yeah. And just, it's, like, again, this one year later thing is so hopeful, and they're getting along so well. It's, yeah. like, very clear that you take away the warrior side of it, we can get along with Andalites pretty well. It makes sense. All of the pride yeah. is probably similar level at that point. Um, I forget where it is. I know, I think it's mentioned a couple of times. I think in this section is one of those times with Marco mentions there was talk about adding Jake to yes. Mount Rushmore, but that never panned out. Yeah, like Jake has gotten offered for that. Both sides of the coin wanted him to run for president. Um or well, something. He yeah. yeah. 
He uh, could have, Marco says. They wanted proposals. him to teach soldiers. They've wanted yeah. him to enroll in, like, colleges have offered him. Yeah, enrollment. West Point offered him teaching jobs and um, marriage proposals from as young as 12 up to grandmother and endorsements and books and Jake. I do like that they take a moment to be like, he's not an addict. He has not, like, given him to drugs or anything like that. He's just a shell. Yeah. We 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 have a conversation between Cassie and Marco there in the Netherlands uh, before the trial. And Marco tells Cassie that he has seen Jake regularly go after hours to Rachel's monument. And the guards let him in and he just kind of sits there. He never talks. Marco wishes he would talk because at least talking to a dead person is talking to someone. Right. Uh, and then they have the idea of morphing therapy, which, again, callbacks reminded me of that very first book when Jake's like, I'm a dog and I'm happy. And I'm like, yes, therapy should be morphing <laughs> into dogs and feeling happiness. And this is why you're the Marco of our group? <laughs> I really Cassie don't... says it too. I really like this moment because even Cassie admits like, they didn't have a lot holding them together. They were definitely not friends before all of this. But it is such a nice moment of, like, truly being happy to be alive still. And yeah. it is, I don't know, I really like it. Uh, then Jake shows up for the trial. And Jake is witness number one. <sighs> Which is a lot. Like, that's a lot. To it put really on, is. Oh, shit. That's a lot to put on anybody. Sorry, I almost fell. Um, it's a lot to put on anybody. It's a very, like, cramped, crowded room. The Andalites have built a containment box for Visser 1, uh, which, and I don't think we ever acknowledged, Visser 1 goes along with being taken prisoner because nothing the humans or Andalites do to them will be as bad as anything the Council of Thirteen would do. Um, they build a box with a Kendrona generator and a computer connected to a voice box and because of some obscure Andalite custom, the box is painted lavender. I do love that. <laughs> and it doesn't say that there's <laughs> glitter in it, but I'm picturing, like, you know, in some car paint, that, like, little speckled glitter yes. that you get in the paint? I'm picturing that in this lavender paint. Like, it's glossy Dude, and I, As soon as I read about this box, I was like, slap a couple legs on it and see your butt. We had the technology the whole time. <laughs> if you start um, fighting, you just sit and talk about it. Yeah, whatever. Opposing counsel, the defense, uh, who <laughs> Jakey Dollars is like, yep, yeah, they don't look like they expect to win. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy they... Tim and I briefly uh, talked Sunday about this book, and I was like, what are the odds that one of those lawyers is Naomi? Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, if anybody's going to want to try Jake, also, I completely understand. From the standpoint of conflict of interest in like seven different ways. And I also know it's not Naomi. But I just like that was my first thought was like, man, if you're going to get any lawyer, Naomi. I do wonder how Naomi is doing because she is gutted at the funeral, understandably. I, 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 I wish there was something that was just like, yeah, like Naomi and Rachel's sisters, like they Jordan still do okay. I would imagine so. Um, I think that. I think it would have been harder for Naomi if she hadn't seen Rachel in those months leading up to her death. Yeah. But understanding what she had become probably would help, except that there wasn't a better outcome for her. 
Yeah. I think she knew that as angry as she got with Jake anytime he wanted to do anything. Yeah. Like, I think she knew where this was going. Um, but opposing counsel, defense counsel, objects to Jake's being a witness on the ground that he also should be on trial for war crimes. Not, That's a lot. not wrong. So there's an episode of The West Wing that I was thinking about while reading this. Uh, in which it's actually about should the U.S. participate in the International War Tribunal. And the position historically at that time of the U.S. and on the show is no, because we will not cede autonomy in trying our soldiers to other governments. Uh, and this, this general comes in, he's talking to the chief of staff and reveals to the chief of staff that the mission he'd been on in Vietnam was in fact a civilian target so he too could come up on trial and Leo demands to know why are you telling me this and the general says look all war is crime that's kind of where I come down on this like all of this is bad all of this is crime but like at some point it's where Marco and Cassie come to you're on the defense you've got to you can't just roll over and take it I think this book does a good job of trying to discuss that for the age range that it's for like yeah that jake doesn't necessarily feel guilty about the fact that he killed seventeen thousand yurks and it is the fact that instead of doing it and feeling that he was doing it out of defense or as like the last option or whatever he instead was doing it out of hatred and like he was excited yeah and i think that that is like that conversation alone probably could spin off so many papers yeah well and i think that's valid for jake like let him let him deal with his emotions about it that does not make him a criminal for having done it yeah i mean even cassie more or less lets him off on that one yeah and i'm I'm glad that it doesn't ever really say here that like and that's kind of the breaking point of why they can't be together like yeah. She may be able to forgive him, but she's never going to agree that it's necessarily true. Um because there are a couple moments within the section where it's it almost feels like Cassie kind of hopes that the old Jake just kind of shows up and like yeah. maybe she'll give the old Jake a second chance and this conversation happens and it's kind of like okay, we are officially closing that book. We we should also the the scene that the, setting this conversation is Marco and Cassie knock Jake unconscious and throw him into the ocean so and he'll morph into a dolphin. X was there. X yes. wasn't there, was he? Yes, oh. I guess he was. Okay. Um, but they throw Jake in the ocean so he'll morph into a dolphin and feel happy again. Yeah, because X tries to take the blame because he's like, I pointed out that they were there right. and that yeah. you know we should do that. Um. Yeah, I I am not surprised that Jake and Cassie don't end up together after even just the last book, but especially the last few. Yeah. Um, and that is it for the one year in the future section. Anything else before um, we do our next jump? We find out that, well, he is uh, sentenced, he being Visitor 1, is sentenced hmm. to... 22 of 25 counts of war crimes against the Yerks. I'm sorry, against the Yerk Visor 1. 
Uh, he is almost certainly never to be released from the special, con- specially constructed prison facility that has been built in Kansas. And the way that that is worded, which is exactly how I just read that, I highlighted it because I'm like, oh, bitch can definitely escape. <laughs> like, if you're going to sit there and tell me that it was specially built so that he could probably never escape. All my comic book <laughs> reading, all my TV show watching goes, yeah. I Also... Those are one he's, he out. he's a yerk, so I imagine that that prison that he can't get out of is like a shoebox. Maybe some scotch <laughs> well, here's tape how they around constructed it. it. Like, <laughs> they took his sparkly lavender box and they buried it. Ten, they they dug a ten foot deep hole and they filled it five feet with cement and then dropped it in the box and filled it the other five feet. The end. That's the specially constructed facility. The trial was also three weeks long and had seventy three witnesses. And I just think that that is insane. Also, they wouldn't let Alaron. Um, yeah, this one blew me away. Be a witness because yeah. of self-incrimination. Yes. What kind of weird interpretation of anything would hold <laughs> Alaron at fault for anything? Like, I I actually got a little frustrated at that. Well, okay, Tim, this may come as a shock to you. Human law <laughs> does not, in its currently written form, account for mind control. <laughs> Um, I, I, I don't know. That. I I feel like there there is a level of Alaron that would probably appreciate oh, the fact sure, that he didn't sure. have to stand trial. Like at this yeah. point, like he wants to go find his own fig tree, and we don't ever find out what happens to him. Like that that's hit me while we were talking. Like we don't know if he goes back to the Andalite homeworld, if he stays on Earth. We don't know, and I think that that is a little sad. Yeah, like he's got to be up there in age. But also just, like, I hope that he, of all people, like, found yeah. some peace. Yeah. Which, uh, wherever he wanted to be. And if he chose to go back to the end of light world, I hope they were nice to him. I, I imagine him playing chess in a park. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a good portion of me thinks that maybe, I don't know, maybe this is, if this was me, um, turn into a human Nothlet and live out my days. Like, yeah. turn into something well, so I no longer have that, I, I could shed that identity and I, fucking relax. I figure probably like, he either stays on Earth or goes to some non-Andalite homeworld planet. I don't think he goes back to the homeworld though because he even says uh, when when they're negotiating with Asculin, like he says, it's been so long since I've been on, on the homeworld I don't really know the culture anymore. I yeah. don't know what people think. Yeah. I don't know. Like, part of me, it's like, maybe he does go back to see if he can have a moment, but I I Cause, truly would not be surprised if he just settles into Earth and is like, deuces, I'm out. Leave me alone. <laughs> didn't we learn between Hork-Bajir and Andalite Chronicles that even before he was taken by Esplin, yes. that he did not go back to the homeworld much while yeah, he was he, he was on kind tour. of a yeah outcast already so yeah like after hork bajir he was yeah. definitely an outcast but even then there was something like while you're enlisted you don't go home yeah. you live on your dome ship and i can imagine so who, i would be done with space i'd be done with so much yeah. i think he i think he's got to yeah. have stayed on earth i mean technically he has a human morph he's got a few yeah um so this is where, if you want a happy ending, you should just put down the book. They're at the end of chapter 13. Yep. Everyone, everyone gets theirs. It's good. 
You can go home. You don't have to deal with any complex emotions other than Rachel's death. And I, this is probably a good time to talk about this. Like the Annie base that, you know, had trivia and stuff to it. Um, this was always their intent was to have like a, they, they definitely win, but they wanted that Lord of the Rings sadness combined with it. Yeah. And um, even I think if you in here, you could still get that. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely loss. Um, and there's a letter from K.A. Applegate at the end of the book about wanting to end the way they do for reasons. Yeah. There's another letter that I'm going to read in a minute. Um, but this is not where the book actually ends as much as. No, 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 no. (laughs) I, I do. I don't want the, the good ending. I want the, the honest ending. Yeah. The (laughs) honest one. I get it. It was never a high enough anxiety that like I lost sleep over it or anything, but knowing how the series ended and knowing how controversial it is, I was, I have been terrified for what, three years now? (laughs) However fucking long we've been doing this? That you would end this and genuinely be like, I cannot believe you wasted No, no, no. It was never a... It's true. Meg has, Meg has said this to me before. I am mad because you wasted my time. It was, I am mad because you don't have any more to give me. Like, and let's be very (laughs) clear. That's a very, like, I very much love this book. And I thought it was the perfect, like, way to... I don't want to say in the series, but in the series, because it doesn't really feel like done. But it it, yeah. it captured all of the. Uh, like I said, it was it was an honest turnout of all these people to me. You know, it wasn't the 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 servicey. This is these people get together and it's happy and you know la di da. Yeah. There was something that felt like real about Cassie going and finding somebody else, you know? Yeah. John Wells, who is a TV producer, he did ER, he did The West Wing, he's done a bunch of stuff. He talks about the only satisfying way he knows to end a series is to write the world in a way where you can imagine your main characters still going on in it. And I think you're right, Tim, that if this ended cleanly, if this ended happily, it would be hard to imagine how all of yeah. them could go on. Yeah. yeah. Like Cassie and Marco, yes, but the others and Max maybe. But it's the such others, a big so. story that I don't see how you could ever reach a satisfying ending because there's always gonna feel like more story to tell. There's too many yeah. moving yeah. parts for everything to just run right into the end at the same time. So Two years later. I was just going to say, I love that they included this because as much as we were talking, or as much as I was, how positive this middle section is, which is essentially what most, like, alien things are going to do. Like, hey, we ended, and, like, the world's happy. And it's two years later, three years after this entire thing happened, and shit is on (laughs) fire on Earth. Not necessarily, like, that you need someone to be fighting for Earth again, but, like, Fuck. And yeah, there are boredom is rampant. There are terrorists who attack aliens, like the Andalites who visit the Hork-Bajir. Um, there are issues with the Hork-Bajir population is growing, so Cassie has to find them more space. Yeah. Um the Andalites have consented to letting hand-selected anti-terrorism task force task forces and I had to just double check the print date for this. It was May 2001. Yep. 
uh, a few months before terrorism would become a much bigger part of American life. Uh, but the Andalites have consented to giving select anti-terrorism task forces morphing technology to fight terrorists who are attacking aliens. And Jake is training a group of, of soldiers, a group of spies, a group of whatevers from around the world in morphing and tactics and how to fight. Uh, I think if this were a movie, this section, starting with chapter 14, is such a great sequel in the mindset of like literally chapter 14 opens with the essentially a prologue of like we have axe who has done all these things who is explaining how he's bored and how he's adopted all these human mannerisms and why and like how he understands his place in the world and how he understands like comments that he makes can be carries so much more weight than other people and but he's fucking bored and we get this like cliffhanger before we go and like yeah hear about what's been going on and again i really appreciate that it's only been two years because any sequel to a movie would have been five ten whatever years where it's like the turnover makes sense for lack of better terminology um three years that's it um so axe is the captain of the intrepid um and we learn that this ship is basically the only one in the andalite fleet still doing military missions other ships have either been retired because the whole goal was always to get back to peace to get back to peace because being a career soldier is not a concept in andalite society it is always meant to be temporary uh, some ships are escort ships, mostly escorting people to and from Earth and goods to and from Earth. Uh, but Axe is still tracking down the dome ship that got away after Tom's death. And they track it to uh, this gigantic ship that is not a style anyone recognizes. That's basically a bunch of skyscrapers fused together. Looks like a star blast. And so the intrepid goes to investigate because the scanners show DNA, earth DNA and Axe decides to lead the boarding party. And against his first officer's suggestions of trading places goes into this ship. And then we cut to Jake. Who's written a book. He's gotten his shit together. Yes, he is finally starting to human again. Uh, he is teaching his class, and he's bought a smaller house than Marco's, near Marco, and he gets flown on a jet back and forth every day to class, and all I can think is, oh, Cassie yeah. would kill you. <laughs> Those emissions, my dude, no thanks. Um, And one Friday, he's heading home, and it turns out a couple of Andalites have stopped at the base that his jet lands at and need to talk to him. And one of them is Minderash, who was on the Intrepid and saw the blade ship come out of the giant skyscraper ship after they had caught Axe and killed a bunch of Andalites and attacked the Intrepid and left it for dead uh minderash was the only survivor and explain to me how you make an agreement with a being you've never seen huh 
So the reason that they're coming to Earth and doing all this is because the Andalites can't go into Kelbrid space. I mean, at some point in the past, they've interacted in order to set this tree. They have no idea what they look like. They have no idea. And they even say that Kelbrids don't have a clue what Andalites look like. Two cans and a really long string. <laughs> really, really long string. Fair. Or two cans. <laughs> yes. That carry messages. Both back would work. <laughs> Space two cans. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Maybe they're like the silence and you forget what they look like after you look but at them. But they also don't know what Andalites look like. Like it says, we was this alien vessel a Kelbridge So ship? you have... I don't know. We've never seen them. Likewise, they have no direct So you have a Skritna ship and you pin a note to that Skritna ship and then you point it <laughs> at the Andalites and it just basically says, don't come over here and we won't come over there. And then it has a little box that says yes or no. And the Analytes, they checked yes, and they pointed the Skritna ship back at over at them. <laughs> okay. Do you want a detente? Check yes, check no. I just find just it like the fourth grade. Fascinating, so fascinating that they're like these guys are so aggressive and bad that we just have an agreement not to yeah. fuck with them. Yeah, uh, that's that's fair. That's true. So yes, Axe has been carried into Kelbrid space by the blade ship uh, with its translucent polar bear hair. That bastard. Um, and Minderash tells Jake, "Hey, there is a prototype Yerk ship in the atmosphere, gassed up. Wouldn't it be a shame if some human stole it and went to track down Axe? Wouldn't it be terrible?" Wouldn't it be terrible if in two hours I were a human and could pilot it? That was hard. Like, the, he was willing to give up his identity for Axe. And also, the fact that he has to give up his identity. All of it sucks. It's not just for Axe. I mean, he lost the entire ship worth of friends and people. Yeah. Like, but it's... For the possibility that he might still be alive. Um, that leaves it up to Jake to first say a goodbye to Cassie and then recruit a team. <sighs> or as she is known now by her boyfriend, Ronnie. Cass. Cass. Ronnie Chamber. Terrible name. Cassie, you can do better. Yeah, I picture him wearing like a pastel pink sweater tied around his neck. No, he is, as she puts it. A manly man. Actually, let me find it. In the 1980s, that was a manly man choice. But I guess, to be fair, this is not the 1980s. Ronnie was a man's man. Smart, confident, decent, and funny. I'm sorry, a smart, confident, decent, funny guy is not wearing a pink tied around his... No. She, Especially not while There hiking. is no mention of the having or not having a pink sweater tied around. All I can think of when I hear the phrase, a man... Is Daniel Boone was a man, a great big man. A man's man. Um, she is also a special assistant to, to the president for resident aliens. She's 19 and in the subcabinets. Yeah. Cassie um, is awesome. Cassie is the best. Also, Ronnie is 25. Yeah. So Jake finds her while she and Roddy are hiking. I like that Roddy has a little bit of an inferiority complex around Jake. He is the melding of George Washington and Patton and Batman. <laughs> Except dumb. Roddy, Jake is dumb. <laughs> You're fine. I promise. This is very true. 
Yes, he has a better name. Than you, this is so true too. But Ronnie. that only counts. But they, for they some. don't. They don't I'm carve sorry, your 25. IQ onto Mount Rushmore. Twenty-five. Drop the the I. Just Ron. Just go by Ron. Ronnie. I mean, he won't so call bad. Cassie. Yeah, he won't call he, Cassie Cassie. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm the only one who can end in an E. You be Cass. I'll be Ronnie. And Cassie deserves better. I've already made this guy so much worse than <laughs> I had. No. I read it, too, and immediately thought, oh, this guy's a tool bag. It's just that we all know that they're, like, okay, I think we can all agree that Cassie and Jake probably don't belong together. Yep. Nope. I think we can also agree that he is such a fucking high bar that there is nobody on this planet that we would be like, okay, Cassie, they are good enough for you. In fact, I petition that Cassie marries an alien. There we go. <laughs> I feel like there's someone on this planet good enough for Cassie. Oh. Okay. Like, if she wants to marry an alien, great. But if she wants to marry a human, like, there's got to be a good human deserving of Cassie somewhere. I just, I would appreciate it if she's like, no man could be as good as me for Jake. And this is Roddy, which is short for Rhonda. <laughs> Or something. I also, just in my own head canon, you know, this relationship won't last forever. This is a serious, like, first serious adult relationship, but not, like, not who Cassie settles down with. Yeah, apparently he, like, pursued pursued her for a while because he was at least doing it, it sounds like, or at least as implied, was pursuing her while she went to Visor One's trial. Well, and they also, like, both work in policy in California. Yeah. Um, I get the impression Cassie is a little bummed to not go. Like, there's no hesitation in that she will go. I think it's probably bittersweet, but at the end of the day, like, it's so yeah. the right call. It's understood. Is yeah. it, though? Cassie can do way more good with power on Earth than fighting in space. All right, Jake. <laughs> but not like, no, I think this is how Cassie would also measure it. What is the most good she can do? It's it's the antithesis of Eric. What is the least harm I can do is not her answer. What is the most good I can do is her answer. And going into space never to be heard from again when the Earth is the thing she cares about the most. I do appreciate that she does not seem bored. Like, we see Axe, we see Marco. They look bored. That is the intent. Yeah. Cassie is the most well-adjusted person. I love that we even learned that, you know, two years earlier, she was still, like, morphing because it was easier to get around the jungles or whatever. Uh-huh. But now, like, okay, I've been doing this so long, unless it's just an emergency or whatever. Yeah, like, Cassie's gotten kind of jacked and, yeah. like, just climbs and hikes and does all this just as herself. It is exactly what Cassie would have become in some ways had there, the war not even happened. She would not yeah. be in the president's sub-cabinet, of course, at 19. But She has power and visibility yeah. because of it. And she can do good with those things. Which is why I think at the end of the day it's probably bittersweet for her. She would wish she could be there with her friends helping, but knows she empirically can do more good at home like 
it's the least dumb thing I think Jake says in this No, series. I agree. I agree. I don't disagree all that. I just, reading this and my memory are very different. And my memory, Cassie stayed. She's happy. It is nice to know that there is a part of her that isn't sure if she is happy that she stayed. Yeah. And that, like, um, she's a little offended that he doesn't ask. And she's like, dude, come on. At the end of the day, like, you could fucking take everybody all on your own. Calm down. I saw yeah. Uh, we also learned that Cassie's the one person who knows how to find Tobias, yes. uh, which is Jake's next yes. stop, Tim. We yeah. finally hear from Tobias, <laughs> who does not like flute music or happy couples he in makes, his territory. Um, he makes one comment a grumpy old man. about, I don't remember the exact way that he phrased it, but it was about expecting there to be a bunch of rage or, or hate when... Oh, I, had, uh, I was so surprised, so taken aback that I had trouble summoning up the rage I thought I still yeah. felt towards him. I, it just, it sets up, uh, I need to know what happens to them. I need to know what happens to Tobias now. Yeah. I don't know if Cassie so does know where Tobias is, because Toby's the one that leads Jake to Tobias. I mean, I feel like Cassie says Toby knows how to find him, or I meet him in the hork yeah. Valley, or something like saying. that. And that leads Jake to Toby, who takes him to Tobias. So Tobias has been living as a bird. There have been some tough seasons. Right now there's a bountiful season. He is enjoying a wily coyote-esque relationship <laughs> with a very smart mouse. He does um, seem adjusted. Yeah. Like, well, probably still a shell in some ways. I, but... they, they still talk about how Tobias had no family or, or anything and that Rachel was all that he had. And that's... Ugh. It's bullshit. It's, he, she's not all he had. But it... It, it, it's that I there's a level of that relationship that that super superseded the the relationship with the other animorphs though no yeah, he yeah. was closer to her i, I am not i'm else. not yeah i'm not disagreeing with that but they were his family yeah, i mean like, yeah it, it does actually bum me out and piss me off a little bit like they're not checking in on him oh it sounds like cassie's keeping up I mean, with him. cassie is but okay, yes, but they're not keeping up with but, Cassie. But and if I was Jake, I don't know that I'd be able to face him either. I just that makes Jake. Uh, a coward. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's Jake that's is probably a coward accurate in part too. Of this book. Like that's a fair statement. But I don't. Know. Like Marco, Marco and Tobias were never going not, to like but be around each other. I feel after. like maybe, but I still feel like Marco would check in on. Uh, Tobias. Oh, Marco probably asks Cassie, hey, how's he doing? And that's they, good enough for Marco. I, I agree with what you're saying in that Tobias yeah. deserved better from everybody. Yes. Yeah, I just, like, I'm sorry. Like, it is not an excuse to be like, well, Rachel was the only one who cared about him. No, you guys you're did right. too. And you can't put that all on Cassie. So, yeah. I just, I got <laughs> a lot of feelings. <laughs> that's fair. I I think the way I read it is a little more... As much as Tobias has struggled with what part of me is person, what part of me is bird, Rachel was the thing he had the easiest time grounding sure, his humanity course. around. Of course. And absent her, it's easier to fall back into being a bird. Of course. That doesn't absolve the others. No. And, like, there, uh, when it comes to, like, Axe leaving Tobias, like, I can sit here and talk circles up and convince myself one way or the other every, like, five seconds. So, like... I that's the only reason I don't bring Axe up because I just don't know where to fall on that. Well, and I think also partly just none of them knew how to find Tobias after Rachel's funeral for so long. I don't know, I just feel like that's bullshit. I mean it is a little <laughs> bit, but like 
You know, I didn't think about Axe, though. Because Axe was his shorm. It, it, it is. It's his literal yeah. family. Tobias well, doesn't have family. All he had was Rachel. He has an mm. uncle. Uh, and this is this is why Jake approaches Tobias after all these years. Because he knows Tobias would want in on saving Axe. I don't know if Tobias wants to be back in this. I don't think he wants to be back in this, but I do think that he would do yeah. it for Axe. I do appreciate that there is not a moment between any of them where they're like, Axe chose to go back to space. That like immediately they're all like, okay, that's our team. Let's go. Yeah. And yet the books kept going six, five animals and Axe or something. And I'm just like, sorry. I got a lot of feelings, guys. You're good. You're good. Uh, after Tobias, we recruit Marco. Or as Marco puts it, Jake, you're going to ruin my <laughs> life, aren't you? <laughs> Marco, who at the beginning of this scene is halfway into morphing into a lobster in his swimming pool. Because he's <laughs> just because? bored. He is bored. What did he yeah. say? He dropped his watch or something? His keys. His keys. And Jake's just like, thank God you can turn <laughs> into a lobster because humans would just be screwed. Yeah. No human can survive at those depths. The fact that he um, calls his butler Weatherby, even though it's not his fucking name. I mean, to be fair, he is rich. He has $9,432,000 in his bank account. And he's friends with, again, Bill O'Reilly and Greta Van Susteren. He also is dating some actress who is not all there. Like, I'm a little disappointed with Marco here. I can understand why he's bored. Because, like, dude, you can do so much more. Yeah. Marco did no, not No, he went. He all. went for all the, the superficial was... things that he thought would give him yes. happiness. Also, uh, all the superficial things you think will give you happiness yes. when you're a kid. With no ability to, like, yes. grow past that because it, it's it's... Oh, yeah, he never would. Like, his TV show would yeah. continue on I, I do, like, for as much picking on Marco as we could do right now, I do love the way he went back into this, though. You oh, know? yeah. Well, I love that he immediately calls yeah. Jake out on his bullshit. Did you, like, are you I am going with you. That? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. And then I felt badly for that. I'm like, yeah, Marco has some conscience about picking on yes. Jake in this, but still doesn't. Um... But I like that Marco says, look, if I'm going to do this, you're going to let me say this now. Shut up. <laughs> you're not going to get everything right. You're not going to do this by second guessing yourself. We survived the last time because you trusted your gut. And it was only when you stopped doing that that we died. So I'm going to need you to get out of your head and trust your gut if we're not going to end up dead. And then right after that, he's like, yeah, you didn't listen to any of that, did you? <laughs> Yeah. I also love his that he's like, you're not smart. <laughs> you are not the military genius that everybody thinks you are. That's me. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, he's not wrong. Also, like, um, just the look on Marco's face is something I want to see when Jake shows up and he looks up and realizes there's a red-tailed hawk. Yeah. Like, just that yeah. moment of, like, shit has got to be bad if both of you are at my house. Yeah, his little lobster antenna just kind of <laughs> droop. Yeah. And he 
slumps his human shoulders. There's not a lot of room for comedy in the middle of a morph, but this moment, <laughs> this moment uniquely provides it. I just love these. like, hey, remember this morph? Remember this morph, guys? Remember this? Remember when we turned to lobsters? How young were we back then? Man. In our halcyon days of... To be fair, at 19, it was six years ago. That's a third of your life. That's so fair. We jump to another Jake chapter where basically we're finishing putting together the team. Uh, We have a random American dude and a French woman named Jean who is one. Jean. Whatever. No, it's Z-H-A-N-N. I don't care. Jean. Marco is wrong. Um, <laughs> don't take it up with me. Take it up with Applegate and Grant. Right. I also appreciate this moment where Jake's like, okay, so let me just make sure I have this all straight. You were bored out of your fucking mind. Correct. And if I had done this and not asked you to come, you would have been pissed as hell and killed me. Correct. But you're going to fucking whine this whole time. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Whine and mercilessly hit on Jean. You know what? She shoots him down. Uh, but right, I, I do love 19-year-old Marco interacting with 19-year-old Jake. Specifically yeah. those two talking yeah. to each other. I love it. Yeah. Also, I love that, like, each of these three chapters, Cassie, Tobias, and Marco's, they're all like, oh, hey, Jake <laughs> looks older now. Yeah. You also <laughs> That know, is how time works. You also know that, like, they're in this car going to this this spot in the middle of nowhere to, you know, knock out the Andalites or whatever. Jake is probably in his military wear. Uh, I was about to say axe. Tobias is in whatever clothes they could find him. Marco. I picture Marco in like board shorts. No, Marco is dressed to the nines. He probably has a suit on, probably a pinky ring, nice shoes, maybe like enough of like, yeah, I understand we're going undercover. This is me dressing down. And then it's like, that suit is still $20,000. What do you mean dressing down? Comes in in a tux. Yeah. The name's Bond. Marco exactly, Bond. Yes. Yeah. Um. They steal a uh jump ship or whatever from a pair of Andalites who had been sent down to Earth. I love that uh Minderash yeah. is offended at how easily <laughs> they were taken down. They knew they didn't watch their backs. That's the implication. They know. I don't think I. I read it as they didn't know that whoever told them to be there. Okay. Um, and then they fly up to the giant death boomerang in the sky. Murder boomerang. Sorry, murder boomerang. (laughs) Hunting. (laughs) Nah, this is a yerk ship. It's a murder boomerang. This is the oft-promised murder boomerang. The other Fine. ones were hunting boomerangs. Fine. This is a murder Fine. boomerang. Um, it's meant to be, like, kind of a blade ship light. And Minderash points out as they approach that it is Andalite custom to name the ship before you embark on it. Because before you can know it, it must know itself. Yes. Tim, how long before they said it out loud... <laughs> Did you know what they were going to name her? I was on the same page, so not very long. (laughs) But I can tell you that I absolutely (laughs) adored it. When they started describing the ship, I was like, oh, they're going to call it the Rachel. Oh, this is so good. But she's not many. Not many. Beautiful. She's beautiful and dangerous and exciting. 
It's like a third of a page. Yeah. Um. As soon as, basically as soon as he's like, we need to name the ship. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh no, here we go. <laughs> Tim, I had hoped that you were going to say, as soon as Jake said all nope, ships are sheep. I did not get there. <laughs> like, that would it have been a big victory. To the description. And I was like, wait, it sounds was like. Was it that description I just read? Or is it Marco's where it's. A scary, deadly, cool-looking Yorkship on a doomed, suicidal, crazy mission that no one will Probably ever Probably that one. <laughs> okay. But Literally I the line. Yeah, yeah, but I can tell you that I, I did. It made me so happy when they named it the Rachel. I'm glad. And then our last chapter, chapter 21, we get from Marco's point of view. They have flown into Kelbridge space. They have wandered around for a while because, as it turns out, <laughs> space is big. Yeah. It's been like six to ten months between this chapter. Yeah. You don't just bump into another ship. Marco has learned to fly the ship because Jake wanted cross-training. They come up with the most brilliant plan to just do Star Trek. Yeah. Marco does kind of fail a little <laughs> bit of this one. They finally find the Blade ship full of <laughs> controllers from Earth. They think far enough ahead to have uh, Jean and the other dude. The other dude. Be the ones on screen, because, oh yeah, the Yerks would recognize us. But then as soon as they have to provide a cover story, Marco's like, uh, we're from the Galactic Federation, and out here on an exploratory mission. And of course these Yerks, who are in control of Earth, are like, Okay, now is where is Captain Picard? Um, they then offer to welcome these these the ship is pretending to also be Yerks wandering lost with the fall of the Yerk Empire. There's two really great lines while they're talking and having this like Star Trek debate. Um Menderesh says, Sensors confirmed, it's the blade ship. And then the next line is that tightened a few sensors. <laughs> <just> like <laughs> And then the Yerk name that they end up giving, 4691. I just had a moment. I was like, nice. That's all. Why 4691? 6-9. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very deep, guys. It was so close to the Esplan number that I thought maybe I'm just not remembering it right. No. I just saw it and I was like, man, this is so close to 42069. And then I was like, oh, at least 69 is nice. I'm so proud of you, Meg. You guys have killed me. <laughs> we have done a number. And apparently that number is 4691. <laughs> so at that point, things get weird. The polar bear Yerk says, oh, hey, great, cool. You can join us in our adoration of the one. Yeah. That should. And everyone's response is, I'm sorry, what the fuck? <laughs> Let us get the one. And they send out the one. And it's Axe who has a robotic mouth full of Krayak teeth. The one who is many. The one who is all. So, Tim, I need to know what the fuck you thought was Uh, going on here. Do you remember the... I don't remember it very well, but the monster that the Elemist was a part of for a while? Father? Father. I don't remember. I really don't. But I was wondering... Because it would take control of people, right? Or did they have to be in physical contact with Yes. It? I don't recall. Like, it would embed a yeah. tendril and, like, fuse with its, cir- with its like, So that's what I was wondering. Yeah. If it was somehow a piece of something like that or an entity similar to that that had taken over 
axe or axe had sort of joined it borg like but you never went to oh this is some sort of cray axe well no because i was kind of uh irritated that we didn't get an update on the elemist cray situation but i did not take it as being cray situation until now when you pointed out that it had cray teeth i mean i've I I feel like like I don't think this is Axe has formed some sort of Krayak Borg. I do feel like this is Krayak bullshit. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. So, mm. I like the idea that it's somehow related to father. I think that's a really cool callback. But he does seem very Krayak like. Also, father's dead. Uh, yeah, but it could be a similar type entity. Maybe, yeah. maybe not the same. Yeah. But like, what if this is just the next stage yeah. of the Krayak's? Game with the elements. They're, wasn't they're working the, the puppets now. Supposed to be the end? Oh, no, but then... Like, wasn't... But some of the Yerks got away. It wasn't... Okay. And then the Krayak... The Krayak maneuvered the Yerks to Axe, and then... The Krayak totally the looked at the Elemist and said, Okay, best two out of three. <laughs> I don't think it's even that. I think the Krayak said, Hey, there are still some Yerks out there. Until they're all gone, I get to keep you. That could them. be it, too. I don't know. I, I think we'd have to reread the terms and conditions of their original contract. Because the Yerk Empire has polished. Do you happen to have a copy of that contract with you? <laughs> I do not. No. Where, I'm sorry. Where's the Krayak EULA? <laughs> oh, I mean, the Yerk Empire has fallen. The universe considers the Andalites one. But I agree. Yeah, the Krayak's like, not just going to accept that loss, though. Yeah. So I'm sure that, like, that actually does make sense. Like, he feels on the edge of, like, oh, it's over. I gotta go do something now. Let me just, you know, you know, take over this Andalite that they all love. That'll get Jake back out here. There is... Or... Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, there is debate that the one is the voice in book 41. <laughs> none, none of it's verified or anything like that. That's just one of those rumors out there. I always felt like that was counting down to Elemus, though, because that stopped after Elemus came out. Perhaps. I'm just saying yeah. that's another theory no, that's out there. Now here's the other the other option. There's so many options. Or an other other option. Um Krayak says in the Elemist Chronicles that like the Elemist and Krayak are not the only entities yeah. like themselves. Yeah. So maybe the one is just another giant entity. Yeah. So what you're saying is that to put it in terms I understand, the Elemist and the Krayak are wrestling and then all of a sudden, there's a third party comes running down into the ring and interferes. Yep. All right. Yep. Yes. You have uh, uh, <laughs> Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. And Hulk Hogan says, oh, no. And Randy Savage goes, <laughs> oh, yeah. And then the Kool-Aid man bursts in and goes, oh, yeah. <sighs> and joins the fight. That did just happen. I love every bit of that. I don't. It took every ounce of focus I had not to call him Adam Savage. <laughs> um, I wanna... I'm also mad at myself for pulling Hulk Hogan because he's a I... piece of shit. There's a... I, I don't imagine... I don't know how much wrestling you watch, so I don't know how many, like... Yeah. Me? <laughs> yeah, so, None. like... I don't think there's a whole lot of names you the could The only pull. other... Like, I... I, I look... Find change. Pretend I said okay. the Iron right. Sheik. There you go. We'll go with that. Um, I have something a comment that I want to make, but I am uh, working up to it. Okay. So well, while you 
work yes. up to it tim uh i don't think we asked this question at the top of the episode did you oh, like this my goodness book? i loved this book I, I like i said i am mad because there wasn't more book but the the same reason too i know i say i like every book but i've enjoyed the series but this one like i said like the path that they take was so honest and not you know standard I guess is a word that I could use. Not trope. Now I have another follow-up question from the end of our last episode. Did you have to go to a cave and experience um, emotions? Yeah. Not like they, they weren't, if you were watching me read the book, you would not have seen me experience these emotions, but they were there. They were internal. There were no salty, damp no, expressions. No, 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 of none emotion. of those, but they were definitely like, you know, like, and and I'll be honest, like it was more at the the big moments to me than the 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 sad ones. I'd already steeled myself a little bit for the Rachel. Like I I had. I mean, that that's coming, but that's kind of me in general. Like big, especially happy moments when, are what dude, get me when more Alaran than sad moved moments. His tail and said that he moved his tail. Oh my goodness! Uh-huh. That one, that one got that one got me. I was so like, happy for that not character. Or like for me, it was not so much that Rachel has a funeral as it was there is a giant yeah, monument right, to Rachel right, standing. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that that was that was. If you want to talk about the one that gave me the most reaction, it was probably that moment when Alaran says, "I did that." Us. Yeah. You know, he's been fighting this for three years of my life. You know. Yeah. Well, and we saw that like. One moment where he begged Axe to yeah. kill him while while Vistor 3 was out of his head right. back in what? And we, eight? well, we, I said that he was dumb for not doing it. <laughs> and I, yeah, just. As it turns out, they would have been screwed had yeah. Alaran not been but there. I, I, yeah, I really love this book. It made me love the series more. And I want more. I don't want to be done with an, yeah. More? Nobody's ever asked for more I before. I do not want the Animorphs to be done. <laughs> well, I have good news and bad news, Tim. Okay, so, uh, trying to find this. Uh, Michael Grant did an AMA on Reddit four years ago. Uh, and the last line of this book is, Ram the ship, late ship. And someone asked, is this a callback? And that's what I'm trying to f- find, but Reddit doesn't like me on my mobile and i think it's supposed to be a callback to um andalite chronicles if i remember correctly and now i have completely comment um and apparently that's the like someone figured this out four years ago and asked and it is it is supposed to be a callback that they survive and that the story continues it has never been a question to me that yeah, they survive the same continues. thing um yeah. no like I remember most people being like, so they committed suicide, basically, oh, no. like, That's died, whatever. Not how I read it at all. Like, um... I mean, especially if you read the letter at the end. But like, if you also... Cassie, this was the last time I was ever going to see... Or last time I was ever going to say goodbye to Jake or some shit. Like, he's not coming back. So, uh, M- Meg and I have an argument going about another property, which I won't spoil. Where there was an open ending to that as well. And, I, like, <laughs> it never bothered me that it had an open ending, because... Tim, you can <laughs> say it's Inception. I uh, I could always, in my head, there was a, a sort of, like, a trajectory to that show, and I just, in my head, knew where that show was going to go, whether I'm right or wrong. So it just never bothered me. 
this, I have uh, no idea what direction it's going to go. And I think that's why it ate at me so much that it was just done. You know, there's not a clear, like, path in my brain on how this thing's going to play. No, but to me, going back to, to what I was saying earlier, like, an open ending to me always assumes the characters continue Agreed. to exist and fight in, or not fight, but, like, live yeah. their lives in some way. In this And case, I, I do. Like, it never entered like, my I brain don't... that this was a this was a final act. Yeah. This was, I mean, they call it the beginning. So there's a letter in the back of the book, which is basically like, hey, thanks for coming on this journey. Also, don't hate me for this ending. Yes. And a lot of people did. This is probably one of the most controversial endings of my life. Um, and they ended up writing a second letter, which in my opinion, I think Grant wrote it based on his tweets. But I'm also not going to say that Applegate can't have a little bit of spiciness. So, dear animal readers, quite a number of people seem to be annoyed by the final chapters, by the final chapter in the animal story. There are a lot of complaints that I let Rachel die, that I let let look, Visor 3 slash 1 live, that Cassie and Jake broke up, that Tobias seems to have been reduced to unexpressed grief, which I yelled about a couple minutes ago, so my apologies, uh, <laughs> that there was no grand final fight to end all fights, that there was no happy celebration, and everybody is mad about the cliffhanger ending. So I thought I'd respond. Animorphs was always a war story. Wars don't end happily. Not ever. Often relationships that were central during war dissolve during peace. Some people who were brave and fearless in war are unable to handle peace, feel disconnected and confused. Other times people in war make the move to peace very easily. Always people die in wars, and always people are left shattered by the loss of loved ones. That's what happens, so that's what I wrote. Jake and Cassie were in love during the war and ended up going their separate ways afterwards. Jake, who was so brave and capable during the war, is adrift during peace. Marco and Axe, on the other hand, move easily past the war and even manage to use their experience to good effect. Rachel dies, and Tobias will never get over it. That doesn't mean... That doesn't by any means cover everything that happens in war, but it's a start. Here's what doesn't happen in a war. There's no wondrous climactic battle that leaves the good guys standing tall and the bad guys lying in the dirt. Life isn't a World Wrestling Federation smackdown. <laughs> Even the people who win a war, who survive and come out on the other side, with the conviction that they have done something brave and necessary, don't do a lot of celebrating. There's very little chanting of, we, we're number one among people who have personally experienced war. I'm just a writer, and my main goal was always to entertain. But I never let Animorphs turn into just another painless video game version of war, and I wasn't going to do that at the end. I've spent 60 books telling a strange, fanciful war story, sometimes very seriously, sometimes more in cheek, more tongue in cheek. I've written a lot of action and a lot of humor and a lot of other sheer nonsense. But I have also, again and again, challenged readers to think about what they're reading, to think about the right and the wrong, not just the who beat who. And to tell you the truth, I'm a little shocked that so many readers seem to believe I would wrap it all up with a lot of high-fiving and backslapping. Wars very often end, sad to say, just as ours did, with nearly a nearly seamless transition to another war. So you don't like the way our little fictional war came out? You don't like Rachel dead and Tobias shattered and Jake guilt written? You don't like that one war simply led to another? Fine. Pretty soon you'll be of voting age and of draft age. So when someone proposes a war, remember that even in the most necessary wars, 
even the rear wars where the lines of good and evil are clear and clean, and with a lot of people dead, a lot of people crippled, a lot of orphans, widows, and grieving parents. If you're mad at me because that's what you've taken away from Animorphs, too bad. I couldn't have written it any other way and remained true to the respect I have always felt for Animorphs readers. This comes up like once every year, maybe once every six months. I am abundantly shocked that neither of you have seen this because like people have posted it on my Facebook wall and like tweeted it at us and things like that. Um, Or maybe just tweeted it at me to kind of spare. But um, this letter has kind of been one of my favorite things. I kind of love the fact that I get to read it once a year or so often um, because it reminds me of how much they don't backtrack. Like they set out to do something there. Anything that isn't on the page, they didn't solve. There's no like secret book of things that just didn't make it to the page. Um, So, yeah, you've. You've both heard me say this on Panelology. I don't know that I've ever said it on this show. Because I don't feel like what I'm doing here is really criticism, like, in a in a critical way. I feel like it's just talking about a thing I enjoy. But I think, like, for me at least, if I'm talking about the quality of a thing, the first questions I ask myself are, does this know what it wants to be? And does it succeed in being that? And even without this letter, like, the answer is obviously what this letter says. And I think the series as a whole does that successfully. So, like, I am as baffled, especially sitting here in 2021 as a 33-year-old adult, I am as baffled as K.A. Applegate and or Michael Grant writing that letter by how anyone could think this book would end in anything but the gray and damage of war yeah no i it is something that i see like as close to the fandom gets to fighting is like about this book this last chapter this open-endedness which is funny because like 12 years ago or so a friend of mine and i decided that we were going to reread through the series and start writing fanfic because we both loved it so much but we hated that rachel died And so we were like, cool, we know exactly how we're going to bring Rachel back and how we get Rachel and Cassie back with the group. Cool. And like made a Twitter about it so that like we could post updates and everything. And I remember some dude being like, it ended, let it go or something like that. And it's like, if any book set up for (laughs) fans, like legit, it's fucking Animorphs. I just remember being like, did you, did you read? the last book that's a that's Can a, you tell me what the that's one a weird is take uh, to me too is it ended so don't enjoy the thing and don't be creative with the thing to be fair um fanfic was not i mean that is a fairly recent like within the past five years of like accepting that fanfic is a valid form of art and it's still an argument that happens on twitter all the damn time all the time like again in the last week people have been doing the in this case it was someone saying yeah don't write queer stories in fanfic publish real books every queer fanfic you write is a queer book that doesn't exist which is bullshit because 50 shades of gray was a twilight fanfic uh after i can't think of that's the actual full title was a One Direction fanfic. Both of these have movies now. Cassandra Clare's book all started as Harry Potter incest. 
that was well, and it's... stolen from somebody else's fanfic. Like, so we have so many things in this world. Red, white, and royal blue is essentially American fanfic. Like, it also presumes that like you can just approach a publisher and have a book no. published. So, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let you know my feelings on fanfic right now. Um, I've never experimented with fan fiction before. That's a lie. Well, okay. All right. I've You've never expe- experimented with somebody who was like actually. <laughs> I did not inhale <laughs> yeah. that fan fiction. Uh, hold I'm on. Sorry? Hold on. All right. Wait. We'll move past that. Uh, aside from the stuff that we created. Uh, I've uh, Meg's already put out a call on a couple of social media platforms. If you have good fanfic, send it to me. I want more Animorphs. I mean. I do. From what I gathered, there are two big series that most people seem to agree are if you want fanfic that continues or discusses Animorphs post-Animorphs um, which are the Neomorph series which has essentially gone up to book 75 also has a drone chronicle and several Megamorphs and this other series which is an AU where Tom doesn't die and discusses um humans that are former human controllers life on well Earth. I'm and the Earth I'm about reality. to dive in hard to all of that. Neomorphs is in PDF, so you can put it on an e-reader. There and we go. Uh, but yeah, on one of those calls, actually, uh, like 10 minutes before we started recording, I was looking and someone was like, hey, I listen. You guys are amazing. And it's really nice to get those messages. I just got to say, I can shout out the actual person if you give me a sec. A guy named John. It was very exciting. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, John. Um... So, continuing through our usual episode yes. structure, Tim, <laughs> where do you think they're located? Uh, I believe it's California. <laughs> no. Cool. They are in the Kelbrin <laughs> galaxy. <laughs> Tim. How would you know? You've never seen a Kelbrin. <sighs> um, how would technology <laughs> change everything? I wouldn't even know. That is... Okay. <laughs> we wouldn't have gotten to no. this point because a fucking camera would have caught them. All right, I want to pose something different. How much more technology do you think Andalites would have traded for Cronuts? They would have forgotten all about Ciro. Just his name would be gone. They'd just be handing it over. You'd say they'd have, you say they'd have (laughs) Ciro fucks to give? That That was a good one. one. <laughs> uh, now okay like 60 something episodes she's finally started to <laughs> I know. i'm telling you we've broken meg permanently i had a wait uh, what did she just say moment <laughs> no i actually really, really appreciated in. that one and just how quick it came like i don't know if you started that with that joke in mind or if it came that nope quick. it was excellent nice job um, I guess that means it's time for animal facts. Okay. What is the last animal that you are going to give us facts about? I mean, I'm not promising it will be the last one. I actually had two animal facts come across my desk this week. One involved the phrases, butterflies putrefied genitalia. So I just kept going <laughs> to the next one. That's fair. Um, I am, I am reading from a Gizmodo article. Uh, are you familiar with a group of monkeys, specifically long-tailed macaques, in Bali, 
that are known for stealing things from tourists and holding them ransom for food? Yes, actually. I was not. So there is basically a, a macaque <laughs> crime family in Bali. And I scientists have been studying them. them. Yeah. For the last few years. Because what people had started to notice is that the, the, the macaques involved were particularly good at going for more valuable items. So the results of this study have shown that these monkeys understand economics and intentionally steal high-ticket items to barter for better food. Wow. Nice. Um, carried out by researchers at the University of Lethbridge in Canada and Udana University in Indonesia. The study found that the monkeys carried out, quote, unprecedented economic decision-making processes, end quote, when they stole things and held them for ransom. The researchers stated that this practice, which has also been analyzed in similar studies with captive monkeys in the lab, is population-specific, prevalent, cross-generational, learned, and socially influenced. It may be the first example of culturally maintained token economy in free-range animals. It was published in the last week in Philosophical Transactions of the Royal Society Journal. Um, not all monkeys are equally good at this. They found that age plays a role in the process with older monkeys stealing items that are more valued by humans. The study refers literally for uh, the study literally referred to the adult monkeys as quote the most skilled robbers. Uh, anyway, the scientists basically broke down the kinds of things monkeys could steal. Phones, wallets, shoes, bags, into different groups by value, and then analyzed how many items of each value group were stolen. And what items the monkeys would reject offers of food for to get better food offered in return. This was not simply a, I'm taking your iPhone and until you come back with food, I'm keeping it. This is a, no, nah, that banana is moldy. <laughs> I want a kumquat. That's kind of awesome. Yeah. So there you go. Um, criminal monkey, <laughs> criminal <laughs> monkey syndicates yeah. are real and capitalism is ruining the environment <laughs> in more ways than one. Uh. That's right. You got Cassie. <laughs> I need you to never say that nope. again. You nope. went from really high. <laughs> nope. That needs to become Tumbling a mainstay tagline. I'm just nope. saying. No. <laughs> gonna make merch. Jesus Christ. Uh, Alright, we do not have any new ratings or reviews. Oh. But we have some folks on Twitter who we want to shout out. Uh, first up, I would like to mention Mel Adams, uh, whose name I recognized from signing postcards and writing messages on postcards, <laughs> which we are still working on and those will go out. Uh, I was a lot of the slowdown because life. Uh, but Mel tweeted at me yesterday to let me know that scientists have illustrated the most complete example of a dinosaur cloaca in great detail. Uh, Mel did tweet me and not at Minds at Yerk. Which I... So that Meg would not have to stare up a dinosaur's cloaca. Thank you yeah. so much, Mel. I genuinely appreciate Mel, it. Mel deserves several high fives. Yes. 
Uh, also, bonus points, the tweet that Mel retweeted at me was sent by Ryan, was posted by Ryan North originally. <laughs> Ryan North wrote Squirrel Girl. Oh, nice. So, nice. a melding of all my interests here. <laughs> um, and I think someone else sent that to you, too. Yeah, Mike? right. We right. got into a conversation about this right before starting to record because uh, mine and Tim's friend Joe sent this. With absolutely no context right before we started recording. <laughs> so, no context, Cloaca. Thank you, Mel, for being more considerate than my friend Joe. But I also love Joe, don't worry. Um, I also want to shout out my former Panelology co-host, uh, Mike Haynes. That's at M.A. Haynes on Twitter. It's a running joke if you also listen to Panelology. Uh, who asked in response to the tweet about all of us having read Animorphs, Animorphs 54 yesterday, have you done an Animaniacs Animorphs crossover song yet? Because if you haven't, you're not done. Uh, and Mike was correct. Uh, he sent that tweet at 8.19pm, and by 10pm, I had finished and recorded such a song meg and tim have reviewed it prior to our recording and uh i believe are in favor of my cutting it in here yeah so with no further ado with no further ado an animaniacs parody about animorphs the invasion the visitor then the encounter the message the predator to the capture the stranger they got from elfinger the andalite's gift which was blue the alien the secret the android named eric the forgotten reaction and change the andalite chronicles goes to the past mcdonald's is truly deranged the unknown the escape the warning underground decisions dinosaurs departure discovery the threatened solution hark bajir are casualties of war the pretender suspicioned extreme and attack the exposed an experiment which leads to the sickness then john barrowman finds elfinger's secret in a ditch the reunion conspiracy the separation the illusion and prophecy next then the proposal and Visser's life story leaves us plain thoroughly vexed the mutation the weakness arrival and hidden the other megamorphs for oh wait i should tell you that one's real title it's actually back to before to doom 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 to do to do doom to doom to do the familiar the journey the test unexpected revelation deception resistance is futile the elemist chronicles rachel's memory persists the return the diversion the ultimate absolute sacrifice answer that's right it ends on beginning oh and alternatives and until then we fight we did have another comment to that tweet um from kilted pipe guy uh saying that they read 52 53 and 54 at one go uh couldn't put them down and was pissed and disappointed and had so many questions and we feel you we feel you this is also why i guess peek behind the curtain we are recording this early not to torture tim more than we normally do thank you yeah every now and then we're benevolent hear that chris grind <laughs> we can be nice to tim doesn't happen often but note it when it does um did you have more i have one more go for it okay uh, I also posted in the Animorphs group before recording today um, the following. We are wrapping up our discussion on Animorphs tonight with the beginning, and I love the opinions of you all on the thing my co-host and I disagree on. I'm sorry, agree on the least. So here's spoilers for book 19 in case you somehow missed that episode. If you're listening <laughs> through the series backwards, <laughs> like Benjamin Button. Is Visitor 3's twin still alive if not 
did Cassie or did Jake kill him? Which I think we can all agree that is the thing that we yeah. debate the most. Most divisive. Only because I can think of two topics that we have banned from the show. This is true. Ranch is one of them. <laughs> the other... <laughs> Ranch is one of them. Yes, that was one. The other is whether that one book is an alternate reality or Oh, a yeah, dream. that's true. This is true, too. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that, one. you know, I would give you, if that book had come much earlier in the series, that might have been our more debated choice. Um, so, yeah. I do have an idea for uh, predictions, though. I don't know if we're quite yeah. there yet. Did we want to go I through mean, some shout-outs oh, oh, first? Or? Hold on. Hold on. Um, well, you don't actually I, get a. We were nice to you. This is the this is the repayment. The yeah. book series is over. I don't know what I'm predicting. Um, hang on. Let's let's do some housekeeping right now first. Sure. Um, because this is the last book, we want to let people know, and we've gotten questions, what our plans are going forward. So, we are going to record a post mortem episode for the series as a whole that will come out on our regular schedule uh we are planning to listen through the audiobook for book one so we can revisit book one and also give our impressions of the audiobooks that started being released last year uh, which is something we've wanted to do but had not gotten around to yet and that will be the wrap for animorphs for us we already have in the pipes a short series as sort of a palate cleanser with a special guest uh, that we are in the process of scheduling out. That will probably continue more or less on a normal schedule after our postmortem. Beyond that, we have not scheduled, because that's going to take us out another three months, give take. But some of the things we've talked about doing going forward are reading and discussing some other K.A. Applegate and Michael Grant series. We have talked about continuing with Alternomorphs, which... Honestly, at this point, I'm the main holdup on that. I just need to do some more work on that campaign. Yeah, Alex. Well, we love you. Yeah. It's so wonderful. Thank you. It's fine. I, I'm i just lazy. That's all it is. Thank you for that laughter, Tim. <laughs> Otherwise, people might have taken that seriously. Not the case. Um, We also have a couple dozen episodes or so of the Animorphs TV show that we can watch and discuss. So there are definitely plans to keep continuing in some form. What we cover and how we cover it and what that schedule is may evolve a little over time. But uh, if you want more from us, keep this podcast feed and don't delete it because we will keep releasing content of some sort. Uh, and if we don't, we'll let you know. Yeah, if we don't, we'll at the very least throw a note in there saying, hey, yep, this is it. Bye, thanks, see ya. Uh, but it is our intention to keep going indefinitely. Uh, we may take a break somewhere in there to catch our breath, but we'll keep going. Now, Tim, can you predict what Meg wants you to predict? <laughs> if you can, I won't make you do predictions. Uh, I, Ooh, stakes. I think you want me to predict a prediction of where what happens after this book series you're wrong damn it <clears throat> so if you look in the back of book 54 i don't know if you guys have your copy with you i'm I assuming do. you do look at this letter in paragraph two okay well here it is at long last the final chapter in the animorph stories it began in the summer of 1996 it ends in the summer of 2001 that's five years 54 regular titles four chronicles five megamorphs and two alternomorphs 
What sounds weird there? Four Chronicles, five Megamorphs? Wasn't there only correct. four Megamorphs? You are correct. There were only three Chronicles, by the way, but we know that the Taxon Chronicle is the one that is missing yes. there. Yes, okay. So there is a lot of things you can look online to understand why there's not another Megamorph, so I'm not going to sit here and explain it to you, but I am going to ask you, Tim. Oh, no. Write this, like, really quick. Just give me the summer blockbuster. What would you want in a fifth Megamorphs? Okay. Wouldn't Visser be the fourth Chronicles? Andalite, Visser, Fork Bajir. Oh, I guess you're right. Yeah, you are. Sorry. Okay. Um, Give me a place where this drops in the timeline. It was supposed to drop in the last five books, which is why it ended up getting cut. So you have freedom. You can drop it anywhere you want in the last, we'll say, from the moment that they, Yurks know they are human on. You can drop it like it's hot. From the moment no. that they know that they're human. Pick a part in there, between some books in there. Oh, I can tell you where I would want it. Okay, where's that? It would be... Okay, okay, okay. So this is what I would have done. You would have had to shift around where the books end and stuff to make this happen. But this is what I would have done if I'd have had my way. It would have been the story of James... And the Seagull Squad and Doubleday and their attack. And it would have been told from their perspective. None of the original Animorphs would have had any any uh any chapters. It would only have been James, his people, and Doubleday. That's what I would have done. I gotta say, that's that nails it. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That may actually be the best prediction. <laughs> except for the one time that you were actually right. <laughs> no but I don't know. Thoughts, Alex? What do you think of this? Like I said, you would have had to change where the books ended, but I think that would have been fantastic. Yeah, like where the books ended and maybe the duration of that attack. Yeah, agreed. Like it would have to be something yeah. than just something other than a Yeah, there would have been a planning thing. phase and stuff like that, too, that would have had to have yeah. gone into it. Yeah. But I, I would have but loved I... to have seen Jay, or James get his own, yeah. you know, his own vantage point for at least part of this book series. Yeah, I would I would really like that. The only other thing that maybe comes to mind for me is I think there is space if you wanted to expand what happens in 53 just in general, <laughs> like Marco going to find the chi, sure. Rachel infiltrating yeah. uh Tom. I don't know that we need to see those things though. Um, but it would have been cool, yeah. Yeah. The, I guess there's some potential for, like, if the Animorphs tried to go meet the Andalite fleet, but again, that doesn't feel like it fits. I don't, I don't know, other than what Tim's already said, what would actually add something. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I, I think 53 expanded would be a really cool, um, Megamorphs. It would kind of defeat the purpose of the Megamorphs, which always seemed to be something that you can take out and yeah, kind of lose, which is not necessarily true. There are still tidbits throughout the entire series, but uh, there's a big blockbusters, and I don't know if it would have lined up there, but I appreciate that your train of thought went first to, I want to learn more about the auxiliary Animorphs yeah. rather than extending and figuring out anything about the one. I think that is... Yeah. Such a cool thing. Yay. <laughs> I feel... This has been 60 a... 60-something episodes later. Yeah, this, and is, it's just... this has been a great episode, guys. Like... 
Tim finally feels validated as a human. He's experienced emotions and emerged from the cave in what was not meant to be a Plato reference, but here we are. So much going on right now. There's so much good in the world. I'm really excited to talk about that next episode. (laughs) All right. Anything else? Oh, sorry. I just want next episode. I just want to like find all of Tim's predictions and be like, how's it feel? How's it feel? (laughs) We got to get this confidence back down. Hang on a second. That's all. I'm good. I'm sorry. (laughs) Anything other than that to add? I love you guys. I love you guys so much. That's all. Uh, yeah, no, I'm good. Uh, other than, I do want to add one thing. So, yes, yes something <laughs> to add. The best thing to come out of this podcast was that Animaniacs thing. That's the greatest <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my life. I was really hoping this would be like a positive thing about our all of our friendship or some shit. And no, no, no. It's... That parody song I spent an hour on. It's fine. It's fine. Remember, the real friends were the podcasts you recorded along the Fuck way. That. <laughs> uh anybody got anything to promote? Yes. Uh if you haven't, please go check out Sporadic Fandoms. Uh Phantoms. I, I know that I, I blend that word occasionally uh it is an audio drama mockumentary podcast that is animorphs inspired it is fantastic and as we are recording the first episode has been released um so by the time this actually no this will only be one episode it is a once a month podcast but it is incredible and totally worth it please go check it out that's all i got tim you got anything uh, no, not right now. Okay, that's yeah. cool. I'm always on Panelology and the Rob Thomas No Not That One Robcast, which is on hiatus, but will probably be off hiatus soon. I feel like you've been saying that for six months. <laughs> I said it a couple months ago, and then we realized it would be a little longer, and I stopped saying <laughs> okay. it. But now we are actively planning uh-huh. again okay. to to dust off the, the mothballs. No, dust it off and take it out of mothballs. There we go. Uh. Uh, anyway, um, we'd like to thank Red Spinks for our show art. You can check out more of his work by supporting his Patreon or visiting at Chaos Does Art on Instagram. If you're interested in getting some cool art, email red at c.spinks.animator at gmail.com. Peep our social meets at Minds at York on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you want to send us questions, comments, or love letters, you can email us at mindsatyork at gmail.com. Our website is mindsatyerk.com. Remember, spell yerk, Y-E-E-R-K. If you like us and want to help us out, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We are available on your podcatcher of choice. Let us know if you can't find us there, and we will fix that. All right. Uh, Somebody say when. When? Okay. (laughs) My name was Alex. Sure. I'm Megan. (laughs) Do we want to, for the first time in the last book, call a mulligan nope. on the line? <laughs> nope, that's not how it works. Okay. And I'm Tim. And until then, we fight.
coming this January 2021. My name is Robin. I'm Stevie. And I'm Kyle. We are a trio of environmentalists, documentarians, journalists, and friends. We will be looking at a major problem happening right now, the destruction of threatened species habitats by the logging industry. We're talking about illegal logging here. Do you know what the company was that was doing this? Yeah, uh, I had never heard of them before, uh, but they're, they're called Dapson Lumber Company. Dapson? I remember the trucks. And the Matcom bands, too. Weapons development. They're hiding the information. It's much bigger than just Dapson. There's a reason they vetoed the project. He just kept saying, stay away from Dapson, stay away from Matcom. Missing? I'm not one for conspiracy theories, but I just have this this sick feeling in my stomach about this that I can't shake. This looks like a nonprofit organization. And don't forget about the dodgeball tournaments. Be part of something greater. What the actual hell? This could be big. Really big. Sporadic Phantoms, an investigative podcast series, available this January on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor.